Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, in this moment now, as we hear these ancient scriptures, for some of us, um, scriptures of comfort, of meaning, joy, depth, we come to this moment with anticipation and excitement about what you might say or do in our lives. Others of us come to this story and we wonder if we could even believe such a thing. Some of us remember a time when you seemed so close in our lives and now that faith has grown cold and distant. We're wondering what happened to you or maybe what happened to us. Wondering if we could ever have that sort of intimacy and connection and vibrancy again. However we come to this moment, help us to see that we have far more in common than we realize. Believing and unbelieving having different experiences and perspectives, and still, each of us, on one hand, is a very good person. On the other hand, not a very good person at all. A beautiful mess, full of complexity and wonder and mystery. And that you see us and you know us in all our complexity and our contradiction, and your response is to give yourself to us, to move toward us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see that you know us, that you love us, that you move toward us. Open us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to receive what you might want to do and say in our lives. Transform us by your loving grace and send us out to be your agents of renewal wherever we go, we pray, for our good and your glory. Amen. Well, this is the time of year. You know, the the commercial Christmas season started a month ago. 
where, uh, you know, there's the tree out in front of every mall, and you get on an airplane, and they're already playing Christmas carols, and you can't get away from it. I shared that last week. But now we officially kind of turn the page. Um, you know, in our family, it's always after Thanksgiving dinner, you can listen to the first Christmas carols. And so in great fashion, my mom said, can we put on Mannheim Steamroller as soon as uh, we finish eating family dinner the day after Thanksgiving? Um, but Advent... The four Sundays before Christmas. It's when the church, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, has turned the page and said, let's take a lot of time and think about what Christmas is all about. What it means, the implications, how it changes our life and our world. What is Christmas all about? Now, I have to say, um, I, as a kid, I used to spend a lot of time thinking of what is Christmas all about. And uh, kids, at the time, what was Christmas all about? Presents. Presents, Santa Claus, right? In fact, I would think about this so much throughout the year. I remember being in grade school and doing something really mean to another kid on the playground in April. Kids, don't do anything mean to other kids on the playground, okay? All right. I, I, I was a bad boy. I did it. And I, I, I remember praying a prayer in that moment that went like this. Dear Santa, I am so sorry for what I just did to this kid. Please still give me everything I ask for on Christmas. Um, because I knew what Christmas was all about. Guys, it, it is about presence a little bit. It's about a whole lot more than that. And Advent comes and says, consider that Christmas is about a coming king. Advent is actually one of the ancient words to talk about the way that a people would get together and prepare when the king would come to visit the town or the village or the city. It means coming. It means arrival. And so we remember the coming of God into this world. Light shining in the darkness. And we anticipate and look forward to his coming again. To make all things new. To wipe every tear from every eye. To bring death itself to be no more. Advent means coming. And this passage we just heard is the original annunciation of Advent. The king is coming. Now, before we go on, I realize someone heard that part about the virgin birth. And you've heard this before, you've thought about this before, and you go, look, this is one of the things I just can't stand about religion, is that you expect us to check our brain at the door and believe in all these things that we know can't actually happen. Isn't that kind of an antiquated way to view the world? Isn't that part of just religious mythology? Uh, really, the virgin birth, and let me just say, um, the scholars who study this and ponder this and tear, tear through this over the centuries, they say this is actually unlike any other narrative or story that would have existed in Jesus' time. There are plenty of other religious texts. Uh, they say the only reason that the authors would have included the virgin birth would have been because it happened. Now, that's part of the mystery that we're invited to hold on to and to wrap our minds around as we conceive of this story. But just listen to the words of theologian Madeline Langle, who said, look, the virgin birth, though miraculous, is far less mind-boggling than the power of all creation stooping so low as to become one of us, right? So she's saying, look, you hear the virgin birth, that's hard to believe, to wrap your mind around, but consider that's actually small compared to the bigger claim of Christmas. That there is a God who knows you and loves you and sees this world in all its complexity and pain in all the ways that it's beautiful and broken and God in his grandeur decides to enter into it all. To come into it all. To know you, not just from afar, but to know you intimately and specifically. To know your life and to love you. She invites you to consider this. 
And look at Mary's statement in verse 38. Here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Here I am. God, whatever you say, I'll trust. That's a picture of faith. That's a picture of trust. The question is, how do you become a person of that sort of faith, that sort of trust? You know, let's think about it this way. If the Christmas story is true, if the Christian worldview is real, that there is a God who created the world, who loves the world, who entered into the world, who is even now redeeming the world, then the smartest thing you could do is get as close to him as possible and trust him. Now, how do you develop that sort of trust? Today, we get three different ways to see it, and we see what sort of a king this is. This is a king of grace, it's a king of glory, and it's a king who invites an invitation to respond. First, a king of grace. Um, kids, here's a, here are a few definitions for you. Um, justice is getting what you deserve. You got what you deserve, that's justice. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. When you deserve to be punished, but you're not punished, that's mercy. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's a free, unmerited gift that's bestowed upon you. This is a king of grace. Here's where you see this. In verse 38, in verse 28, the messenger of God, and you have to understand, in this world, when the messenger speaks on behalf of the king, they're speaking the king's words themselves, okay? So the king essentially comes to her and says, verse 28, a three-part greeting. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, and then he gives her a title. Your Your new title is favored one. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Now, this is not the sort of title that Mary would be used to in her day and age as a young, uneducated woman from Nowheresville, from Nazareth. Later on, we learn that she's poor, but her poverty, her lack of education, her lack of status in society, her voicelessness, none of those things are the markers of her identity. Her truest identity is favored one because the Lord is with her. Look, I asked a therapist friend years ago, what's, when you see a client, if you don't know anything else about this human being, what's one thing you assume to be true about every person in the world? Oh, that's easy, he said. Everybody wants to be known and loved. Everybody wants to be known and loved. We put up all sorts of defenses so people can't know our true self because we're afraid if you really knew me, you'd run. You wouldn't love me. But everyone at the core wants to be known loved. And from the beginning, Mary is already receiving a taste of the gospel that she will birth into this world. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. In the fourth century, an old monk named Ephraim the Syrian said, the babe that I carry carries me, saith Mary. The babe that I carry actually carries me. That is the baby through whom peace and favor will come to this world. The question then this asks you and me is, where do you find favor? Where do you find that sense that you matter? That you're lovable? Your life can be stable, healthy. Where do you find favor? We find it in many good things. Maybe you find it in relationships, even good relationships. But even the best relationships will fail you sooner or later. 
That's just a fact. No human being is flawless. Maybe you find it in your career or in your work. That's great. But if you give your life for your career, if that becomes your all, your everything, you will become anxious and exhausted. Your, life will, your, your career will never give its life for you. Your career will invite you to give your life for it. See, what if success is your favor? If you have enough success. Success is a really funny thing because if you don't have it, you wonder if you ever will. And when you do achieve it, you wonder how long you can hold on to it before it runs out. Don't you see, you are built for so much more. You are built to experience the favor of God. See, what would be different if you heard that voice the first thing in the morning? You are the favored one. God says, I'm with you. That's the story of Christmas. God telling the world and God telling you, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I think this might be why throughout Scripture, from the earliest pages to the last pages, you find God continually showing up and getting in front of people at their moment of need and question and doubt and success and strength, the entire spectrum of human experience, and God continually says things like Joshua 1.9, don't be afraid, for I'm with you wherever you go. Matthew 28, Jesus has resurrected from the dead, standing in front of his friends who are trembling, and he says, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I'll be with you always till the end of the age. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, would say things like, God is so good that he will work all things for your good, even the things you can't now understand, because he's with you. See, this will affect how you answer the question, how do you interpret crisis in your life? How do you interpret disappointment? Do you have a worldview that can support you in the face of despair? And Advent reminds us, God is involved in this world and in the darkest places he enters in. In fact, those might be the places he's paying the closest attention to right now. The Lord is with you. Some of you, this is how you're going to get through the holiday season. You're invited to hear the words, I am with you, even louder than your current circumstances. It doesn't diminish your sadness, it doesn't diminish your circumstances, but as you go through them, you can remember, he is with me. The light is coming into the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. He's a king of grace. He's also a king of glory, but his kingdom is upside down. So we learn that this baby who will be born um, comes into the world, and he has many titles, okay? So you will name him Jesus. Um, the, the ancient word for this, Yeshua, which means God saves. And then there's this list of titles that roll out. Did you hear that list of titles? He will be great, the son of the most high. He'll be on the throne of David, in the house of Jacob. He will be the Messiah, the anointed one. His kingdom will have no end. He will be the holy son of God. I mean, that's a lot. Right? I know, I've heard of some good titles before. I hung out with a friend last week who was an MMA fighter, a mixed martial arts fighter. He was a champion. We watched these YouTube videos of him getting his big belt. That's, that's a title. You walk into a place and you've got a title. Uh, I listened to an acquaintance last week who at one point was a member of the House of Lords in England. That's a title. But that's still nothing like the great son of the Most High whose kingdom will have no end, the holy son of God. He's coming in power and might 
and all this glory, how does he enter in to reign his kingdom? As a baby. As a baby. As a helpless, dependent, vulnerable baby. Maybe this gives us great insight into God's love for us. I remember officiating a wedding a while back where the bride and groom had written each other letters to be read at the reception, and these letters had so beautifully articulated how they viewed the other person and how they viewed their life together. And one of the great themes was vulnerability. You are someone I can lay down all my defenses with. You are someone I can completely open up to. You see, you know this is the stuff of the best relationships. The stuff of the best friendships is to be vulnerable and open and exposed. But there, you run the risk of having your heart broken. And Christmas says, this is how God loves us. That he actually exposes himself to us in vulnerability, in love, at great cost to himself. The glorious God of heaven became a baby. You can't get more vulnerable than that. He opened himself up to pain, to rejection, to death itself, and he took it so that we might know him, so we can have a relationship with him, so we can be made right with him. The great king moves downward towards us. He comes to us. Now, think about it. What difference does that make? Why does that matter? When you think of God, do you primarily think of you coming up to meet God or do you think he comes to meet me? How you view that will entirely affect the way you interact with God. When you can see he is the one who comes and meets you now, he comes all the way down right now into your life and your circumstances. It opens up a whole new avenue. Your job is not to make anything happen with God. Your job is to receive what God wants to do in your life. One of the most powerful prayers you can pray is, God, I am here. Meet me however you want. Or maybe your prayer today will be, God, if you are this good, if you love me this much, I invite you. Break through. Convince me. I'm open. And watch what he does. He is a God of grace. He's a God of glory who comes down. And he's a God who invites you to respond. You see, Mary is receiving huge news. Tremendous news. Christianity makes completely uh, bold claims. That God became one of us so that we might become one with God. That God in Christ has died for the sins of the world and risen from the dead. And the final word on this world is not darkness but light. These are tremendous claims. How does Mary respond? As a picture of faith, she responds with authentic doubt. Does that surprise you? That she actually has a few questions. She wants to know how all this stuff's gonna work. It says in, in the passage, she responds in verse 29 by being perplexed and by pondering what all this means. She has authentic doubt. She's troubled by these things. She's thinking about these things. She's trying to wrap her mind around them. She asks the angel, how will all of these things happen? What you're saying is incredible. She asks how. And what is God's response? It's not, how dare you ask me these questions? How dare you have any doubts? It's, he reassures her. God will dwell among you, he says. 
He gives her more information. If you want a picture of what will happen to you, look at your cousin Elizabeth. She's already six months along on the, on the pathway I'm calling you on. He gives her the big picture and reminds her, nothing will be impossible with God. What's going on here? God is honoring her doubts. God is meeting her in the midst of her questions. What questions or doubts or worries do you have today? You see, there are healthy ways to, to let your doubts propel you towards spiritual growth. There are unhealthy ways that you can allow your doubts and your questions to become a barricade from any sort of growth, okay? And the invitation today, instead of throwing up your questions and your doubts as a stopping wall for spiritual growth, instead of that, allow them to become a springboard to propel you into spiritual growth. So as you develop an understanding of your own questions, your unresolved conflict, the tension, the reasons you can't believe these things, the places you want to see God at work in your life and in this world, write them down. Put them on a piece of paper. Share them with a friend. But that gives you the place where you can start reading and thinking and praying and having healthy conversations with other people. And it will actually propel you into spiritual growth and connection. And Christian friends... There's an invitation for you to follow Mary's lead here. The parts of life that don't make sense, where you're asking, where is God? To realize that God might be at work the most in those very dark and sad places and to press into him even with that. Follow Mary's lead as she responds with authentic doubt, but it propels her forward into his arms and see that he's waiting for you. And finally, she responds with absolute surrender. Let it be to me as you say. If the gospel's true, if the Son of Mary really is the Son of God, if the King has come and will come again, if nothing can get in the way of the love of God in your life, if he really does move down toward you in order to lift you up to him, he really does come to you and say, you're the favored one because I'm with you then the wisest, most rational thing you and I can do is to run to him as quickly as possible. To hesitate not a second longer. To receive him more and more into our lives. To be like Mary and say, here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be done with me according to your word. Friends, during this Advent, we're invited to open our lives more and more to this light that shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. And then to go out into this world as agents of that sort of Advent light wherever we go. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we do pray now that you would give us the grace to trust you as Mary did on that day. As we bring our questions to you, as we bring our pain to you, as we bring our sorrow and our sadness to you, as we bring our joy and our hope to you, may we find our entire story wrapped up in a much bigger story a story of your grace, your light, your love that comes to us in the King of glory who lays down all power and authority to become born as a vulnerable baby, to love us not from the top down but from the bottom up, to lift us up with you. Help us to find ourselves in that great true story of the world. In your name, amen.